What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver, and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RidesharRodeo.com, with Para.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. What's up, everybody? Glad to have you back for another week of Rideshare Rodeo Podcast. Before I jump in tonight, um, I wanted to let you know that that intro piece, because I had a couple comments made, and I've had a few people ask me, and I've been meaning to do this. I will definitely include it in every podcast uh, show notes from now on, um, because that the song that's performed in the intro is a very, very famous song um, that has been performed by multiple artists. Uh, and um, that version is performed by a very good fr- musician friend of mine here in Denver, who I asked to do it for the the podcast. Um, his name is Tori Pater. He plays in a lot of bands in Denver and a handful in Atlanta and has played in, has sat in with some of the biggest names around. So, um, very amazing musician. Um, I'll try and find a, li- a good link to, he's got a lot of different socials and stuff, but maybe I'll put one up in the show notes this week and, uh, see if I can't find a good Tory landing page in case any of you are interested. That said, um, tomorrow, uh, so this is, I'm not going to get into this tonight, but tomorrow we will be talking or, uh, Ron Entree Courier is recording his podcast and he asked me to sit in because it's on the pro act. The timing of this is kind of key. Um, it was a little bit last minute that he asked me. And to be honest, it's very important because today the Senate did, um, vote on the infrastructure bill and it did pass. Now we all kind of knew that would happen, but there's step one towards infrastructure and it did pass. So timing wise, it's very key. And I didn't want to have a whole nother episode on pro act quite yet. Um, and you know, even when I do, it might not be a whole episode, but regardless, Ron is doing an entire one. He's pretty, uh, versed in all this too. So, um, and he's another Denver, uh, guy. So he's a local for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I will be on his podcast and we will be discussing the pro act tomorrow. Um, okay. Moving into tonight though. We've touched on this a few times already, but I will say that um, we've we've all heard about that uh, ridership is back with rideshare in regards to Uber and Lyft, and drivers are not back, okay? And we've been talking about this on the podcast here for the last few weeks, um, probably, probably sprinkled in the past couple months, actually, because we've just been kind of... Uh, wondering when it's going to come back. And uh, when I had Harry on, um, John on next week, we're going to be talking about uh, the same type of thing Harry and I talked about a while back, which is, you know, will the ridership come back once PUA ends? Um, There's a lot to this. 
but uh, ridership was back. Drivers weren't back. And then the news spin got, I think, because Uber CEO or, you know, left or, you know, basically they got some some media attention. And I think that they put things out maybe a little wrong and it was right around earnings. So it was that, you know, drivers are coming back. And there was a lot of news running with news articles that had been done by others based on that. So, again, that's just Uber's word. We didn't really have any kind of verified stock in that. There wasn't any, you know, here's the proof. Um, And drivers are not back. So there's been a weird spin in the news cycle. It was for a long time, for weeks, it was drivers are not back, the riders are. What do we do? Um, and then it was the dri- the riders are back and the drivers are coming back. So it's, it's getting all good. Now, in a few markets, that is kind of okay. I, I can see that where they're coming from. But we got to remember that a lot of these smaller towns, um, you know, Big Ten college towns, Pac-10 college towns, um, the SEC, big colleges are still yet to go back. And you, they usually double... Um, the population, uh, a lot of times, double the population of the cities they're in. And there's so many of them. And that's going to change the need for rideshare by an amazing amount. So, you know, even the markets that think they're back and they're a little bit smaller, they might not be back once the schools are back. So there's still some factors. Uh, But one thing that we are still hearing time and time again is how the, um, the supply and demand is an issue. And uh, how the pricing model is, you know, we've heard everything from 125% um, from Uber to like 200 to 250% from drivers, some passengers, and even some articles. I'm going to play a quick little piece here. Um, It's really short. And come back on the other side and talk about it. If you try to order a Lyft or an Uber lately, you probably notice two things. It's really expensive, and you're going to have to wait a really long time. And that's because there just aren't enough drivers to go around. NPR's Bobby Allen reports from Los Angeles. Jenny Park landed recently at LAX, and to get home, she planned to call an Uber. But it would have been $150. That was half of the price of her flight from New York. Roll my eyes to the back of my head until I can't roll them anymore. <laughs> like, literally, that's how I feel. She tried Lyft. It was a tiny bit cheaper, but there was a wait. It's supposed to be like a taxi service that's supposed to be, you know, convenient. But a 30-minute wait is not convenient. Not convenient, but increasingly common across the country. So, too, are the high prices. Lyft and Uber trips now cost nearly double what they did before the pandemic. The companies say it's a classic supply and demand problem. Vaccinated passengers are ready for rides, but drivers haven't returned in droves. Hello. After waiting around for a while, I got a ride in L.A.'s Echo Park and met driver Jafet Gomez. How often are you hearing from passengers about the long wait times and the high prices? It's it's quite often, often. Let, let's say out of my 20 trips that I do every day, let's say around 15. Gomez is new to all of this. His dad is an Uber driver and got a $500 bonus from the company for convincing his son to get behind the wheel. Now Gomez, who is a mechanical engineering student, is driving an Uber as his summer job, 12 hours a day. It's quite bad for your body because you're sitting for a long time, nonstop. He understands why, in the pandemic, many just got sick of driving for a living. And then once you get home, you're tired, you know, you don't want to do anything. 
So I do get it. And the job has become more intense with so few drivers on the road. Across town, Roger Lara says he's zigzagging all over the city to pick up people. It's L.A., so that means traffic and everything is so spread out. <laughs> Sometimes one ride will take you to the mountains. And guess what? You got an hour by yourself back. And how much of gas are you going to waste? Laura and two of his friends who are Lyft and Uber drivers found a solution. They're quitting to become truck drivers. And they're not alone. Many others are moving on. Some stay off the roads because they're worried about COVID. Yet Lyft CFO Brian Roberts told investors this week he's optimistic. We do expect that you'll see folks uh, who like the, the independence um, from the gig work to come back to rideshares. Robert says some drivers will come back when expanded federal unemployment benefits end next month. But for people calling Lyfts and Ubers now, it's kind of a disaster. Or as Jenny Park put it, it's a <laughs> and she has a message for Lyft and Uber executives. Get it together. It needs to be affordable for the passenger, but also needs to be, you know, well-paying to the driver. Like, there's got to be some sort of medium. But for now, riders are feeling the pain, and the drivers still out there are scrambling just to keep up. Bobby Allen, NPR News, Los Angeles. So again, here we go. You know, here's another article after I, the what I explained before that you know, dri- riders are back, drivers aren't. But then, see, then Lyft and Uber kind of sp- spin it a little bit different. That drivers are coming back, but you have to look at the whole piece. And when we did, um, it wasn't. They're not really coming back in the droves that that are needed yet. And you'd think you'd be seeing it by now. Anyway, um, they also tried to downplay the amount of how much rides had gone up. And basically, you just heard there, too. I mean, take it for what it's worth. Each news outlet you might feel differently about. But when I do this stuff, I, I definitely comparison, comparison shop. So before I ever bring on articles when I'm talking to you guys, I make sure I find two or three other articles to back it, even if they're not the same. And then usually look at the four and pick the best one that I want to kind of base on. But it's kind of all four have now entered my mind. So I've got the pieces there. Um, but I kind of base on one and I know to, you know, it's just different news, different times. It could be, you know, independence, uh, publications you've never heard of. It could be, um, you know, CNBC, it could be NPR, it, it could be Fox news, but only if I think that the Fox news story is better than the other ones out there. And they're all kind of the same, but I think it was written better. So again, it's not based on kind of any affiliation with any of these. It's just, what the best story out there is. And I think this was a pretty good one. I mean, it says 200%. And from all the the data that we've collected, uh, me and a couple other podcasters and people that, you know, over at Para and whatnot, from, from what we've collected, you know, um, 150 to 250% is pretty norm. And even some people had reported a little higher and it maybe went down a little, but then it came right back up. And, uh, now it's, it's, it's kind of at, at another high level again. And that comeback isn't happening yet. Now, maybe we're going to see it. And again, I got John Wilkerson, uh, ride up state on next week. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about is the comeback of uh, rideshare and what's going on with it. So I won't dive in too far. The one thing I did want to mention, though, from that from that piece, if if you heard it, was when they said, you know, when the one driver in L.A. said that one ride could be taking him up to the mountains, which is an hour and an hour back. Now, I can totally relate to that because here in Colorado, 
um, you know, years ago, even like I, I was getting crazy rides. Like I'd get rides to Aspen from Denver airport. And if you aren't familiar, that's about, uh, it's about a four, four and a half hour drive, uh, to get from Denver airport to, um, Aspen probably, you know, to get them from the airport by the time you pick them up to the hotel they're staying at in Aspen or whatever they rented as a house in Aspen, it's, you can figure five hours with all the stops and everything and construction on the roads. So that's, that's a long ride, right? And that would leave me up there without any means of coming back. Luckily, Aspen might not have been the best example. It's just the furthest I've gone. However, one thing for sure is it, it depends on the time because the, they have a they have an airport that can land um, actual United flights, not just prop planes up there. Um, and so, as long their airport is like done at ten, um, it closes, and, and there's not a ton of flights that come in through the day. But you can get kind of lucky if you put in destination uh, Denver. And in, at least in my experience, and go over to the uh, outside Aspen Airport, as long as you're there early. If you're there, if you arrive at like nine at night, ten at night, you're kind of really in a jam. Um, so I hear that problem. Um, I used to have my own solutions to it for a, a, a story for a different time. But um, right now, what I would think is with the lack of drivers, that Uber should be really working on when that driver picks up a ride that they know is going an hour out an hour east of LA into the mountains start looking for any ride that is that is looking to go back to LA even if there's even if they're like up in the mountains let's say and they're looking for a ride um and the driver's still like let's say a half hour away let Uber and Lyft should have a way of communicating with that person looking for the ride in LA. Hey, we don't have a driver in your area now to take you there, but in 35 minutes, uh, we could have a driver who can drive you directly to LA, something along those lines. They could be doing a lot more, especially with so much less um, uh, volume going on on the platform. I mean, you know, customer service people, and we all know that that's a that's a huge thing. I mean, they, they could have helped these drivers by trying their best to reroute them. And if not during this pandemic, you know, I've said, obviously I'm in an odd position, but, but even if as, as unbiased as I try and make myself drivers and gig workers are need to make more, you know, I, I don't want to go about it the wrong way. I think the gig companies need to come to these conclusions and find ways and they might even start starting to be struggling with how to do that. So don't worry, I'm not going to get political here. <laughs> but um, I got I to gotta talk about this story because this is really crazy. So, um, again, not political. You know, I have an opinion, as everybody does, on what's going on at the border. Um, and mine kind of hurdles a little bit of both sides. So, But this is something specific to rideshare, and it's kind of... It's not kind of, it's very scary. Um, Sunland Park, New Mexico has become the epicenter of migrant smuggling in, El, in the El Paso area. So migrants crossing border in New Mexico are instructed to take Ubers and Lyft and, and Lyfts um, because the local police are helpless. So 
this is a this what this is an epicenter of where a lot of illegal crossings are going on that they're worried about. This isn't some of the areas that you're hearing about where people are crossing at fifteen hundred to two thousand a day and not being tested for COVID and just coming in. This is a different scenario. This is where a lot of the human smuggling and drugs specifically come over a mountain range right there. I was I did a lot of research on this guys. Um and when they they come down, I guess it's primarily in the morning, and they have cell phones. They're told not to turn them on until they, um, you know, get within a certain uh, vicinity of coming down off the mountain. I don't, you know, obviously I don't, I'm not privy to what that is. But um, when they do, they text somebody or they, they make a call um, when they're in range, and they... Uh, they call the person or text the person that is to give them instructions. Most of the time now, because the heat has gotten so bad at these spots, watching for people trying to pick up these people. Because in a lot of cases, you know, the A, the hands are tied on the Border Patrol and a lot of sheriffs and, and city and local police. But not only that... um the one thing that they were trying to do was watch to see if some if somebody was picking up a sketchy group that looked like they were coming over because of what's going on there and this huge problem is forming. Now, I guess the cartels, I'm, again, you know, I'm just going off a lot of information I've read, so that might not be the case, but it is common to think it is. So the cartels who are doing this uh, obviously are were smart enough to catch on and say, hey, they're they're watching for us coming to pick these people up. Well, when the people come over this mountain range and they are texting their their contact, they're now being told to call an Uber or a Lyft and pick them up and have them taken to a location where then they will be picked up by the person that originally the plan was to be they were picking them up from the border. Okay? But now they've moved to this Uber-Lyft thing. Um and so they're using drivers. And the worst part is, is a lot of those drivers might be picking up people with mass amounts of drugs. Um, human smuggling is going on. And, uh, I mean, all kinds of horrible stuff. Not to mention the, you know, obviously people entering illegally clearly have not had a COVID test. So, you know, we already know at the border... They're not doing, even as they're having to deal with this huge rush of people coming in, um, they're not testing people for COVID. Um, we're, you know, there's just no testing going on down there like that. And then we're moving them around. But these people for sure are not being tested. You know, these are the people who are doing very bad things, illegal things, um, and not just trying to get citizenship in this country. They're trying to um, bring drugs or human smuggling, so they don't have COVID tests. So you can probably bet that rate is at least the same as the high rate of border crossings of people who just want to become citizens, uh, if not higher. And so, you know, you you know these Uber and Lyft drivers down there feel so bad for them. I mean, they're they're taking these rides, and you know they might get COVID from it. And they don't. They they might not know that the obviously they don't know that these are the people coming over the mountains, 
that are doing this. They just think it's somebody calling for an Uber or Lyft. You know, I mean, they're not, you don't, as a driver, I can say you, you don't ask that kind of questions. You don't, you don't get into that personal space with people, you know, it's, and you wouldn't want to ask it because what if you got an answer you didn't like, um, or put yourself in danger, but nonetheless, they're just taking trips and it's like every trip is a high risk. And they're also, who knows what they're doing and who knows where, where they're going and who they have in the car. So many things could go wrong here. And this is something that does need to be dealt with. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how um, I need to wrap my head around this. This was a very weird thing to read. I mean, I should have figured it was happening, but I guess it's really picked up in the last few weeks. And uh, just a way that people, um, cartels are taking advantage of um, the position that uh, the United States and every other country in the world is in. So uh, just a sad story that I wanted to share with you guys. Hope you enjoyed <laughs> um, sorry, I just, I thought that everybody should hear that because it's just a story that, that grabbed me. So I, I just gotta, I'm going to really quickly read this, um, just cause it, it's, it's happened a bunch of times and I, I've never mentioned it. So I want to talk about this just real quick. Um, I'll put the link to the, uh, video up on, in the show notes here. But a viral video, uh, which has gained over 973,000 views on TikTok, shows uh, an Uber Eats delivery uh, driver taking part of a customer's order and putting it in his own container. Oh, nasty. Um, the video shows a man sitting on on a curb, which the poster claims as an Uber, O-O-B-E-R, uh, eats driver, uh, pulling noodles out of a takeout container with his bare hands before putting it in his own container. Oh, just nasty. Uh, this happened outside of a Chicago restaurant called Mr. J's Dogs and Burgers. Um, you know, I've, I've seen more stories like this, too. And uh, I will put this link up in our show notes. However, I'm curious to see if Jason and the Gig Economy podcast are going to cover this tomorrow night. <laughs> so I will, uh, um, yeah, I won't go any farther. I'm, I'm curious to see if he's going to do this. Uh, by the way, um, check out the Gig Economy podcast every other week. Um, they were at Podcast Movement last week, so they didn't do their normal week. So they're doing tomorrow night live, next Wednesday live, and then back on every other two weeks. So um, check it out tomorrow. You might find that uh, um, it starts at uh, what is it eight or nine p.m. Eastern time, and they are on YouTube, uh, Twitch, um, Discord. And Facebook might be a couple others too. I know those though. Um, you can find the Gig Economy podcast on all those. Dash is trying to plan for the end of the pandemic while benefiting from it. By Levi Sumagazi. August 10th, 2021, 11:10 a.m. Eastern Time. DoorDash Incorporated has benefited from the pandemic, but the delivery company hopes it can branch out beyond prepared food delivery for greater sustainability. Restaurants have reopened along with the rest of the economy, 
but with the Delta variant of COVID-19 surging in many states, delivery platform DoorDash is still expected to show strong results when it reports earnings Thursday afternoon, some analysts say. DoorDash, which handily beat expectations in the previous quarter, likely had a strong second quarter too, truest securities analysts say. They expect the company to benefit from continued momentum in food delivery even as the economy reopens, and from early traction in the non-restaurant segments, the analysts wrote in a note to investors. DoorDash now also offers convenience store and grocery deliveries, including partnerships with big grocers like Albertsons Cuz. Incorporated in this month, the company announced Double Dash, which offers customers the ability to combine their restaurant orders with orders from a nearby store in a single transaction. Already the U.S. market leader in food delivery, DoorDash is doing what competitor and ride-hailing giant Uber Technologies Incorporated has done by rivaling DoorDash, hedge its bets. To underscore that point, data from research firm MScience shows that even if customer growth may now be slowing compared with the big boost in customers DoorDash saw because of the pandemic-related lockdowns, there is still quarter-over-quarter growth in share gross order volume, attributable to non-restaurant categories. See, the rise of the gig economy spells the end for these workers. In addition, a new wave of coronavirus cases could prevent the economy from fully reopening and benefit DoorDash or term, truest analysts wrote. But they said the very tough second half, year-over-year comparisons could cause the company to issue conservative guidance. What to expect? Earnings analysts surveyed by fact said on average expect DoorDash to post a loss of $75 million, or $0.06 cents a share. The average expectation of analysts, hedge fund managers, executives and more, as gathered by Estimize, is a loss of $0.07 cents a share. Revenue analysts on average expect revenue of $1.1 billion, according to FactSet. Estimize is guiding for $1.09 billion. Stock movement, DoorDash shares are up about 28% this year through Monday's session, while the S&P 500 index has gained 18%. What analysts are saying. According to Truist data, DoorDash's marketplace gross order volume, or GOV, may have grown 60% or more in the quarter. Analyst Yusuf Squally wrote that would be in line with Truist's June survey, which found that even after vaccination, consumers showed little change in using food delivery. Analysts surveyed by fact said on average expect GOV of $9.78 billion. That's about a 59% increase year over year. By comparison, GOV rose 227% from $1.88 billion in the second quarter of 2019 to $6.15 billion in the second quarter of 2020. Another key issue for DoorDash is fee caps that were instituted by cities and counties during the pandemic. Those have expired in many places, but this summer San Francisco made 15% fee commissions, what delivery platforms charge restaurants, permanent, prompting a lawsuit from DoorDash and competitor Grubhub. Despite possible complications for DoorDash's business over fee caps, Truist analysts wrote that they view the easing of fee caps as a positive for DoorDash take rate in the second half of 2021. I was pulling this piece for the podcast today, part of me... (laughs) said, don't touch this with a 10-foot pole. But, you know, I had to because um, it's not just DoorDash people, so it just happened to be DoorDash, you know. A lot of you can probably make the affiliation. Um, You know, uh, the team at Para is going through something right now with DoorDash, and uh, 
hopefully that all gets resolved because I know um, they are, you know, I know that there is some uh, very big work behind the scenes going on to to try and at least make it something livable. And uh, we'll just leave it at that for now. In that article, though, I think that, you know, we see the same old things that we've seen, you know, greed, greed, greed. Um, I, a couple things that I, I was a little surprised about was that uh, even after all these vaccinations, the delivery isn't dying down at all. Now, I know in many areas, most of, you know, many, many restaurants aren't open. And if they are, they're so skeleton crew that they only can do to go and and uh, on-demand app-based uh, delivery platforms doing pickup because they don't have uh, bartenders or waiters or hosts or hostesses. And, um, you know, I know that that is an issue, but here in Denver, I don't know, you know, I've seen a lot of people going back to restaurants and a lot of restaurants opening and even some, you know, changing their restaurant layout and everything and getting city permits and the city's being pretty cool with restaurants right now and letting them, you know, have tables kind of out on the sidewalk blocking all of it though, which is never allowed here in Denver. Um, but they're letting them do whatever they have to do to get open and make some money. So, um, I'm guessing a lot of this that we just heard about how people even after the vaccine, I would like to see that studied. This was, this was from market watch, by the way, the link will be up in the, in the notes. Um, but uh, I would like to see the study of how many people, what markets, all that kind of stuff that sometimes we're not privy to. But um, because here in Denver, again, a big city and we're, you know, the restaurants are modifying and they're having to go audible and make some changes on the fly, almost, you know, maybe even biweekly or monthly. Um, but they're pulling it off and I see people out. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm shocked that there's not even a dip in food delivery service. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be around for a long time, and I think it's got uh, it's definitely earned its place during the pandemic um, out of need, but I think its place will remain. But like I've said a couple times before, I think we're going to see a little bit of a dip too, both in um, demand and then which will go over to supply, uh, meaning like, you know, first not as many people ordering, but I don't think it's going to be a big number, but it's going to be something. Um, and then not as many drivers needed. I think we're already start. I mean, I know markets, I talk to people, they're already starting to see a flooding of drivers on delivery drivers on these platforms. Whereas most of the pandemic, um, it was, it was constant, uh, it was, it was constant busy and there, there wasn't, um, too many drivers on the platform and whatnot. So, uh, I know this one happened to be DoorDash, um, so, but whatever. Um, they all do it. We all know how they work. Um, different algorithms, but all algorithms nonetheless. And uh, that is going to be the focus of one of our upcoming podcasts, by the way. Uh, I have somebody coming in to discuss uh, the algorithms and how they work on these companies, um, or how they could work on these companies. This is somebody that I know who who deals with a lot of algorithms and, and data analysis, um, both small packet and large packet data anal analysis. So he has a very good understanding of doing this kind of stuff in settings where it belongs. And I think he, when I talk to him, I know actually he can bring that over to make a lot of sense of the algorithm on a basic level for us to hear because, uh, he has an understanding of how they work and, uh, he can, he can kind of put it into, uh, 
you know, an understanding that that all app-based gig workers and rideshare drivers and stuff that listen to the podcast will be able to all uh, understand, you know, his breakdown. So anyway, that'll be coming soon, and I will let you know. So we got one more piece for tonight, and uh, then we'll wrap it up. Let me ask you your, your take on what the gig economy has just been through in this uh, pandemic. At first, it looked like it would be very difficult. Now I'm guessing that a lot of companies like Lyft, like Uber, have done very well uh, because of the pandemic. Where are we now? Well, I think the next couple of quarters are going to be critical in assessing just how much Uber and Lyft have recovered um, in the ride-sharing space. I mean, Uber certainly benefited from having the food delivery business, which has probably quadrupled um, through the pandemic. Um, but that's fundamentally a low-margin competitive business. And Uber's signature product is the ride-hail. Lyft's only product is the ride-hail, the ride-share. And so I'm keeping a very close eye on how much they have recovered um, relative to Q4 2019, which is really when they peaked before the pandemic hit. Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever taken more Ubers in New York, um, although I recently was on the subway and it was fairly empty and it wasn't scary. Most of the people uh, were masked. Are we going to get back to 2019 levels this year, Aaron, and do we surpass that? Well, I think with Lyft seems to be on track to surpass 2019 levels by the end of the year. Um, you know, there are many factors at play here. On the one hand, certainly there are people who have moved out of mass transit and are taking Ubers and Lyfts instead, and also enjoying, like you are, um, the relative lack of traffic on the streets, which allows us to sort of get from one place to another in an Uber much faster. Um, but there's also um, a set of people who have moved back to driving their own cars. And there are other people who are simply not traveling as much, right? I mean, the office commute is still cut out. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sort of take this quarter's earnings to the bank and say, hey, this is definitively bad news or good news for Uber or for Lyft. Um, but I've certainly seen better performance on the ride-hailing front from Uber, from Lyft um, through the last four quarters than we have from Uber. In terms Uber of sort of has that uh, food delivery cushion. In, in terms of just the top line, I mean, I also wonder about the pricing power of these companies. I've been using Uber. I'm not sure if it's just a sign of my age, but I feel like it's a lot more expensive than it used to be. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's um, that's an accurate perception. Um, prices have gone up significantly in the last three months, driven largely by a shortage of drivers. You know, the drivers who were there in 2019 moved on to doing other things in 2020 um, as the rideshare market collapsed. And so Uber and Lyft are still struggling to bring them back. Um, but again, I, I think that this quarter's earnings will be um, a signal of how much pricing power they do have. Um, I'm also keeping a close eye for Uber on whether they break down their local commerce. Um, you know, they've been delivering pharmacy stuff. They've been delivering local groceries and so on. And this is a huge untapped market. It's a trillion dollar market that has sure. no clear leader. And so checking to see whether Uber has sort of established sort of a good foothold there 
after the corner shop acquisition. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've gotten, uh, I've been using all of these services now, as I'm sure so many have at the end of lockdown. One of the things that I wonder about most, Aaron, and this is something I used to talk to Uber drivers all the time about how much they were making, how they were doing. They were paying big leases and they were uh, getting a smaller and smaller and smaller percentage of the revenue. What does it look like for those drivers now? Well, I think that part of the price increases have been passed through to the drivers because part of the motivation for increasing prices, yes, it's certainly they are responsible publicly traded companies and um, you know we need them more than we used to. But part of it was also as a carrot to bring the drivers back into the fold after a break of a year. Um, so my guess is that Uber and Lyft are probably benefiting a little more than the drivers from the price increases. Um, but the wealth is being shared to some extent. Okay, so for the most part, that's a that was a really good piece because I do agree. Uber selling off autonomous, getting out of micro mobility for the most part. Um, you know whether they have a little hand in some of these still, whatever. But getting out of micro mobility, getting out of autonomous, getting out of out of uh, flying cars. Um, all the things that they really just didn't belong in. Now, whether they have some investments, which they do, you know, they have still investments out in places, but they're not really hands-on with those anymore, and they got rid of them. Great move. We've talked about it before. Um, another great move, oddly, and I don't often say this about Uber, is, you know, like they were saying, you know, Uber Eats was a was a great move. It needed to be done for a while. Um, I'm not sure how the delivery services are going, um, for like prescription drugs and things like that. Uh, I even know, I do know for a fact that some markets aren't even offering that service anymore. So he was speaking of that and, uh, this came out today. So, um, I'm not really sure where that is. The acquisition of corner shop, um, the Peru based, uh, South American, uh, grocery delivery service that, you know, would be comparable to like an Instacart or a dumpling, well, no, not a dumpling, because dumpling works a model that we much more prefer as independent contractors. If you can actually take the time to build your company, dumpling is an awesome, awesome platform. Um, but Corner Shop is, well, it'll, it, you know, what did Corner Shop do? My guess is so that they can go back to South America, Central America, and kind of run it down there as well once we get it dialed here. I don't think it was so much about just picking an already established one that wouldn't have any kind of regional benefits. So like it wasn't here in the U S and doing well, now we're going to bring it here. People don't know about it, but what it will do is it will go under the Uber name and that will, you know, let a lot of people, uh, you know, there's a lot of you out there and I know a lot of drivers and gig workers who listen to the podcast who know that like, well, Uber's word isn't any good. True. However, there's a lot of passengers, even though some are picking up on it, there's a lot of passengers who really don't know that, haven't heard from enough of us drivers and how bad we, some of us get paid in some markets, um, or they just, or they might not care. They just want to get their, their goods and they see the price and that's doable and they do it. But Corner Shop will have one huge leg up, which is going under the largest rideshare company, Uber. So that just gives them an instant you know, marketing to all of the Uber, um, customers. So, um, but what I didn't like that he said was at the end when he was, when they were talking about the earnings, um, 
not the quarterly earnings that they were talking about in the beginning, but when they were talking about the earnings that the drivers are making, and they said, you know, they got into that piece near the end where he said, you know, so it's uh, prices are way up, drivers are way down. Um, and that's what's that's what's driving the prices up, and then it got asked, you know, but are the drivers seeing a a, a piece of that? And the um, NYU professor who was doing the interview on Bloomberg, or who was the interviewee on Bloomberg, um, says that uh, yes, they are getting a bigger piece um, than than they were prior. Now. We've talked about this before, but I just want to mention it one more time. They're, they're not getting a bigger piece. Um, you know, when they were really, you know, end of last year, 2020, when it was still pandemic and this, and they were really starting to blow up, they actually brought, Uber brought the multiplier back to many markets. Um, here they did it for, but they only did it for like eight weeks. And then it was gone and it went back to flat rate. And when they went back to flat rate, the surge was super high, um, and then they kind of worked their whittled their way back down to just you know a very a very at best decent flat rate surge when it happens. Um, so maybe in those respects there have been some times when drivers have done a little better. But I compare that to all the the six years prior to the pandemic when I was driving when it was um, you know that any given night might be way like a, a one Friday night might be way better than my last three Friday nights because maybe there's 10 concerts in town and the Broncos are playing and this and that and the other and it's just a, a crazy events in town um maybe there's the Great American Beer Festivals going on you guys know I always speak of the GBAF here in Colorado that is a huge deal we are the largest uh um beer uh beer festival in the country, and I believe now you might have to take uh, some of the like Bavarian type uh, Oktoberfest things out because that would be a hard comparison. But I believe that it is the world now too. Um, it's the entire Denver uh, uh, Convention Center, which is a multi-part facility, and they have to not rent it to anybody and use all of the parts, all four parts of it for the GBAF. So, side note there: if you like beer. And uh, you ever get a whim um, when it's back? I think it's in it's in late September or early October every year. Last year had to be canceled because of the pandemic. Uh, this year, last I knew they were going to be doing a virtual one. I don't really know what that means. I think it means sit home and get drunk, but I don't understand how you taste the beers. <laughs> but anyway, back on the notes. Um, I don't think the drivers are seeing... Um, more money like in the scale of rides they're just seeing never ending rides right and that's something that a lot most markets had got to a point where um where most markets had got to a point where uh you know a lot of the really good nights to work uh especially in the early part and stuff you know it was it, we were flooded we were saturated with drivers so you you didn't always have the never ending or you're you're taking somebody to their destination and the, one of the best feelings as a driver we all know this is to be pulling up a mile or two away from dropping them off and get your next uh ride and it's really close to where you're dropping them off and it's a long ride or something that's a great feeling you know you don't want downtime um you know as uh as uh 
the TNC uh, Radio Live guys say, um, if the wheels are turning, you know, you're earning. Uh, which, by the way, on that note, too, um, don't forget, folks, I will update you here soon, but Jason, Thierry, and I uh, will be joining the TNC Radio.live people uh, on Friday nights starting mid-September or late, mid to late September. I can't remember. We'll, I'll, have, I'll have some knowledge here, and I'll pass it to you next week. Um, but, uh, we will be doing a, uh, I think I told the times last week, it will be six to eight Pacific, seven to nine mountain, uh, eight to 10 central and nine to 11 Eastern time. And we will be, all four of us will be on there. Uh, two guys from the TNC radio live and Jason Thierry and I, Jason from the gig economy podcast and, uh, me obviously from the podcast you're listening to right now, <laughs> rideshare rodeo and uberliftdrivers.com. So, um, check us out on that. I will definitely keep everybody updated. I'll post it on social and, uh, that's it for the weeks guys. Uh, I hope everybody's well. I hope that, um, everybody's being safe. Uh, for what they they feel is the necessary f- safety precautions for their family, but also starting to feel a little bit back into life. Um, hopefully we're on more of a mend than a lot of uh, uh, news puts out there, because we all know that the news is banks on us being miserable. So um, keep that in mind. You know, it's not always, it's not always as bad as they say. Um, but anyway... Uh, Have a great week, you guys. Do something awesome for each other and uh, do something awesome for yourself. And we will see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.